once again, if you're, if you're new here, uh, we're so glad that you're here. If you're visiting, if you're first time online, <clears throat> welcome online to uh, our service. And uh, we're just so blessed to be able to worship the Lord together. I, I, what I love so much about church, getting together for church, is that, you know, when you are, uh, when you're out and about, sometimes you might hear the name Jesus being spoken in a way that is not honoring. But here we get to worship the Lord, to lift up the name. And when you hear Jesus in church, for the most part, you can expect, <laughs> probably 99% of the time, maybe 100%, you can hear his name being spoken in an honoring way. And we worship him, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Welcome, everyone, today. Uh, my name is Mike Schroeder. My wife, Ev, and I uh, serve as associates to our lead pastors, Matt and Tanya. They're away on a, on a vacation. God willing, they'll be back next week. And um, this is our second last service here in this building. Then we're going back to meet in the, our regular spot at White Rock Christian Academy. Uh, we've been going through the book of Acts uh, all through the summer here. We're, we're going to be covering Acts 1 through 10 because there's 10 weeks, that makes perfect sense. Um, I, I know some of you are expecting uh, just dying for me to tell a joke. Um, and and I, I have one. My wife is, not, is one of the few people in the room that don't want me to say this, but I, I'm going to I'm, I'm going I'm to go out on the limb here, and, and I hope this doesn't offend anybody. It has a, it has a chance. Uh, but I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be bold. No. <clears throat> yeah, some people are still saying no, <laughs> but uh, you know that means no, don't stop, right? <laughs> so you know at the Last Supper, Jesus. Uh, you remember all those pictures? You know of the Last Supper that you've seen with Leonardo da Vinci probably painted one, and there's a whole bunch of different kinds. And so Jesus uh, and the and the uh, entourage, I call it, his disciples. They, they walked into this, this place and they said, you know, a table for 26. And uh, the maitre d's looking at the group and he's, he's just counting on, you know, and he says, I, I don't see 26. Are there more coming? And he says, oh, no, but we're all going to sit on one side of the table. Is that the joke? That's the joke. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> They didn't just sit on one side of the table in reality. Okay, so moving on. Yes, my wife wants me to move on. We will do that. So Acts chapters uh, 1 through 8, we've already gone through. And I just want to kind of quickly give you a review of where we've been. Then we're going to pray and ask God to help. And then, then we're going to, I'm going to rush through a description, not reading, but a description of chapter 9 in the book of Acts. It's, a, it's got a number of really cool stories in it, um, really awesome stories. And one even happened in a place kind of like this, close to the beach, but uh, we'll get there in a minute. And then I've, I've got some, some uh, I'd like to read to you just some of the verses, and then we're going to talk about the story of Paul's encounter or Saul's encounter with the living God. We're, that's what the title of the message is today. It's the encounter. But so let's just get, jump right into the review right now. Chapter one, we talked about this, uh, you know, and this is our heritage. This is your heritage as a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, if, if you know him, 
you're part of the church. And what we need to be doing, of course, is identifying with the church. And uh, here it is. We, the church, in chapter 1, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the purpose God has given us. And the second one, as, as a matter of fact, I know online we don't have this slide, but perhaps in the room here, we can just read this together. Can we do that out loud? We, the church, are in chapter 2 now, the outpouring. We, the church, are initiated through repentance and water baptism into a spirit-filled lifestyle. Amen. Now, chapter 3, talking about miracles. We, the church, were birthed out of miraculous signs and wonders that point to the redemptive work of Christ. And then the fourth chapter, they prayed for boldness in, the, in spite of persecution. We, the, oh, sorry, even when facing opposition, we, the church, receive boldness and enabling grace through prayer. And chapter 5 was a, more of a sobering story. Pastor Matt did a great job speaking on this subject. We, the church, are followers and representatives of a holy God and recipients of his grace. And then Acts chapter 6, we, the church, are called to be active participants in fulfilling the mission of Jesus. And last week, Pastor Matt, what a great sermon uh, combining Acts 7 and 8, radical faith. We, the church, were founded by followers of Jesus who, through his grace, refused to compromise their convictions. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for our heritage. Them is us. We are part of the church, the firstborn, the body of Christ, uh, the bride of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we, in reality... We are your people and the sheep of your pasture. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Lord, bless this time we have together in your word. Amen. Amen. So today's message is from chapter 9, and we're calling it The Encounter. And there's, there's, a, another, uh, there's a, a slide that has an, another We the Church here. Why don't we just say this together? We, the church, are united by a common experience with the living God, birthing us into new life in the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to be talking about today. In chapter 9, we break into a story where uh, the Apostle Paul, before he was converted, he was, they called him Saul, and, and uh, he was actually a Pharisee, and he went around trying to get Christians in prison so that they would be actually killed for following Jesus. And he was, he was quite a man. He was very passionate about this. And, uh, and he got permission from the authorities to go from Jerusalem to Damascus. So from present-day Israel into you know, present-day Syria, he went there and he was on his way to Damascus to capture believers, women and men, and drag them back to uh, Jerusalem to be put on a, a sort of a religious trial and either imprisoned or even killed. He was a very passionate, very angry person, uh, but, but God met him, and he actually fell, and he, there was this bright light, and he heard a voice from heaven, and Jesus spoke to him, in a voice that was heard, people around heard 
something. They didn't know what was going on, but Paul heard Jesus say to him, why are you persecuting me? Jesus identified with his people, with his church, in such a manner, so closely, that when Paul was hurting the believers, he was hurting the Lord Jesus himself. That's how close Jesus relates to you and me. When we hurt, he hurts. And so uh, Saul ended up being blinded, and he got led into the, the uh, city of um, uh, Damascus. And uh, uh, the Christians there were still afraid of him. They heard he was coming, and he was, uh, he was met by a believer there who prayed for him, and uh, uh, he had a vision from God, too, because he didn't want to go and pray for Saul because he was afraid he'd get arrested. But anyways, he ended up praying for Saul. Saul got healed, ended up uh, getting baptized, committing his life to Christ, and then he went out, this, this guy that was out killing, he, he went out and he started preaching the gospel in the name of the Lord Jesus. What, a, what an amazing transformation. So then he went down to, uh, back down to Jerusalem and he went there to try to meet with the Christians and they were all still afraid of him too. But then Barnabas, you may have heard the name Barnabas and he, if you're reading through the book of Acts, you'll, you'll read more about him as well. And, and Barnabas introduced him to the apostles. They received him. And, and then, as it turns out, he was being threatened again. So they took him from Jerusalem over to the coast and sent him on his way back to Asia, to modern-day Turkey, actually, where he was from originally to protect him. And then we break into the story or continue with the story in Acts chapter 9 and and then it switches from uh, Saul to Peter. And, and you know, St. Peter, he was one of the key guys of one of the main people in Jesus' entourage, his disciples. And uh, uh, he, he was preaching and traveling all through the area. Ended up a, a little bit close. How far was it? It was about 23 kilometers away from the coast in this, in this town. I just got to find the name of the town here. It was uh, uh, Lida, and he ended up there, and he heard about a person and met a man named Aeneas who has, had been paralyzed for eight years. Think of it, eight years. Without, without, he was paralyzed without running water, without good you know, health care. It was, it was quite, a, quite a lifestyle. And Peter prayed for him, and he was healed instantly. What an amazing story that is. And then he carried on, Peter did. He carried on down to the coast to a place called Joppa. And uh, there he encountered some of the Christians, some of the believers. And there was a woman there who had just recently died. Her name was Tabitha. And the Bible says in the Greek her name is Dorcas. And they don't sound at all like it. I don't really get it. I'm not a language person particularly. But this woman named Tabitha had passed away. They were preparing her body to be buried. Now, when, as, as they do today in some of these cultures where it's so hot and they don't have the, the services like embalming and so forth, they usually end up burying people pretty quick uh, after they die. And so it must have been just good timing 
Peter, they, they started talking about this woman, Tabitha, and she was just like a servant. She was just such a blessing to so many people in that community. And they were all crying, of course, and mourning her death. And Peter went into her, and, uh, and she, uh, he prayed for her. And let me just read it here. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him all the things that Dorcas or Tabitha had made for them. And Peter said, all of you, would you please leave the room? And he knelt and prayed, and then he spoke to this dead person. And he said, Tabitha, get up. <laughs> and she, she got up. She, they, she rose from the dead. And uh, I, I want to just say about resurrections and about people rising from the dead. There's a few times, not many, a few times in the Bible where people were raised from the dead. This is one of them. And another one you may have uh, more familiar with, with Lazarus, who uh, Jesus raised from the dead. There's a few in the Old Testament as well. But all of these people, except for one, and that is Jesus Christ himself who rose from the dead, all of these people died again. Uh, that, it, it's... There's a thing, you, you, could, you could kind of think about this, you know, you die, and then you go to paradise, and then you you got to go back to earth. and that, So they probably have mixed emotions, <laughs> the ones that are being raised from the dead. But all the other people are quite happy. And so, anyway, so, you know, Tabitha slash Dorcas, she, you know, she did die a second time. We don't know that story, but we do know that when Peter prayed or spoke to her, he prayed, and then he spoke to her, and she rose, uh, she rose from the dead. And so, of course, there was good news. That was really good news. And, and Peter, uh, he, he met up with a fellow believer uh, named uh, Simon. And, of course, Simon Peter was also named Simon. And so those guys, they, they hung out. And he was uh, a tanner, and he lived on the coast. And so I don't know if it was sort of a and b kind of a thing or whatever, but Peter stayed with him for some time, actually. And we're going to stop that story because the next story, it's a great story, Pastor Matt, next week, God willing, will be preaching. And, and it's a great story. You can't wait to read chapter 10. But let's come back now to the, um, the story of uh, Saul or Paul's conversion. And we're going to just read a few verses here from Acts chapter 9. So if you have your Bible or your app, you can take a look with me. It will be on the screen here in the house. I think online uh, you'll have to find your own uh, way to read this because uh, we, we don't have this, uh, the slides for you. So Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats. Just going to pick up this Bible here so I can see it better. Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the, to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? He said. The voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city 
and you will be told what you must do. So the men with Saul uh, stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. And Saul picked himself up, up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, saying, Ananias! And he said, Yes, Lord. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas, and when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, said Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. He's authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Can you imagine giving God a newsflash? Like, you think God knew that? Anyway, that's, of course, he was, uh, I'd be afraid too, I'll be honest. Uh, but the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, to kings, as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went, he found Saul, he laid his hands on him, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. And then he got up and he was baptized. And afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. What an amazing story that is. And today I want to talk to you about encountering God. And uh, it's, a, it's a lesson. It's something that, it, it's a life lesson for us from this story. And it's also uh, just a, 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 an outline, really, of what, what happened with Paul or Saul. And he, first of all, he had an encounter. This is the encounter we're talking about today. And he had an encounter with the king of kings. And I, I want to just start off bold here for all of us, whether we're watching online or watching later on demand or here in the room. You know, when we become a Christian, it's not something that we think up. You know, and I've, you know, I've come to the conclusion, you know, in my, in my uh, meditations that I have to believe in God and I have to accept Jesus into my life. And now I want to become a Christian. Well, yes, that's our part of it. But really what happens when a person becomes a Christian is that they, we have an encounter with the King of Kings. And salvation is something not that we do by making a decision or a commitment to follow Jesus. But salvation is an act of Almighty God. And Paul was on his way to D Damascus to kill, uh, arrest, and, and later kill Christians, women and men. And he was mad. And he, he, but he, he heard a voice from heaven. 
and there was a light from heaven. It's almost like the lights turned on in his mind. It was a miracle. Paul did not come to a decision. Paul was, he, he encountered the living God. And you know, the Bible says that you and I, we don't have the capacity to come to, to, come to God unless the Holy Spirit draws us. You and I, if we've come to God at all, we have experienced a miracle. You have experienced a miracle from heaven because you and I, no offense, but you and I can't do this. It's an encounter with the King of Kings, with the great I Am, with Almighty God. And when we are dealing with faith, and matters of faith, and I have to confess to you, I've been thinking about this in my life and, and how sometimes I find myself because, uh, well, I've been a, a Christian for a very long time, and frankly, I think a lot about what I'm supposed to be doing. And I do think about God, and I pray every day and so forth, but sometimes I, I forget, this isn't my thing. This is God's thing. The Lord is the Lord. I'm not the Lord of my life. I can't become a better Christian or do better. I have to have God's grace working in me. I need to have an encounter with the living God. That's how Christianity works. Come on. You and I have experienced a miracle. Have you come to Christ? Have you embraced Jesus? You have experienced a miracle because you can't do it without it. Only God can make us into the kind of person that he wants us to be. I want to do better. I want to try hard. I want to, but what, what really happens is I'm getting myself into a position to receive what God wants to do. It's an encounter with the living God. The second encounter or aspect of the encounter is, is that he encountered the God who knows him. Jesus, the voice, the voice came to him and said, I'm the one that you, I'm the one that you are persecuting. I know you, Saul. You're going to be Paul. There's things that you're going to find out. You're going to be suffering, but you're going to preach the gospel in king's palaces, even the emperor is going to hear from you. Wow. Amazing. But God, Jesus, knew him personally. And, you know, you and I, the same. You know, uh, we sometimes feel like we should, and yes, we should, confess our sins to, to God. Again, that is not a newsflash. God's not going, oh, you what? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> no. When we confess to God, when we come to God, we're aligning ourselves with what he knows already. And we're, we're acknowledging truth. We're acknowledging truth. And Jesus knew where Saul was at. And in spite of that, he called him to be one of the really one of the greatest apostles. Amazing. Because he knew something deeper 
He knew something deeper. There was a passion for truth. There was a passion for righteousness. And Paul had been deceived. But the scales fell off his eyes physically, and the scales fell off his eyes spiritually as well. And his heart was opened. But God knew him. God saw him and still loved him and still called him. I don't know if I would have done that, but thank God I'm not God. <laughs> He's the one. He's the Lord. That encounter with the God who knows him. He encountered the head of the church. I alluded to this before. And, you know, if you've, um, if you've kind of been reading Christian news and, and just following the movements of, you know, first world Christianity, there's, there's a lot of sort of resistance against the church um, and the, the established church and, and um, what do they call it, the institutional church. But, you know, church is a gathering of people which actually becomes a thing and is, becomes an institution. And it's not about the institution being bad. It's about sometimes the institutions aren't following Jesus the way they should and they need to change. But we don't reject the church because there's some church people that have been found out to, to be hypocritical because, of course, if you think that, you know, if, if you think that you're looking for a perfect church, please, you know, don't join, don't join it because none of us is perfect and then you'll spoil it, you know, <laughs> if you find a perfect church. But, you know, we as Christian people, Jesus identifies with us. And Jesus was identifying with the church so tightly. He didn't say, Paul, why are you persecuting my people that I love? Why are you persecuting those people that are following me? Why are you persecuting those people that have given everything up and have given all they had to serve me? He could have said those words. But what he did say is, Saul, so why are you persecuting me? He identifies with you and me as the church so closely that if people speak, listen, and if you're online or, or out there, or if, if the demons are listening, I don't know if they listen to me or not, but if, if you go against the church, you're going against Jesus Christ himself because that's his bride. I want to tell you that I will take a lot of abuse and have taken a lot of abuse in my life verbally. But my blood starts to boil if you start saying anything to my wife. You just, just, you'll find out. You'll find out how strong I can be. <laughs> just, just saying. And Jesus feels the same way about his bride. So much that it's an offense to him if people offend his bride. Jesus loves the church. He gave himself for the church. Yeah, come on. Anyone else, anyone else want to say amen? amen? It's okay. You know, it's impossible to overreact to God's goodness. Did you know that? Come on. It's okay. Even if we're Canadians and some of us are, are from the Philippines and we're really gentle, I know. But, you know, it's okay to be enthusiastic in church. I, I just want to let you know it's all right. He was faced, he encountered his own sin. 
the first thing he heard from Jesus wasn't, oh, there, there, Paul, there, there, Saul, let me help you. <laughs> he, he knocked him down. He says, listen, you're persecuting my church. You're not doing right here. So there is right and there is wrong. It was redemptive. It was redemptive. I'll say it one more time. It was redemptive, but it was still a, a confrontation with, with his sin. Paul was faced, Saul was faced with his sin. I'm Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. You're not doing it right. You're not right. You need to change. I've, I've uh, I found a little bit of Paul's testimony near the end of his life uh, when he was actually sitting in a Roman prison waiting to appear in Roman court where he would begin to testify of the gospel. But he was in prison and he wrote a letter. Excuse me, he wrote a letter to uh, the believers in Philippi. And it's in Philippians chapter 3. I just want to read this to you. Uh, he says, I, I, I did everything right. I, I was a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I was a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to Jewish law. I was so zealous for God, or thought I was, misguided as I was, he says. I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, this is, this is Paul talking here. I obeyed the law without fault. He was, he was a good guy in some circles. But then he went over the line. And I once thought these things were valuable, he says, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become the righteous through faith in Christ for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. You and I, with our faith, we, we get it right. With our faith, we get it right. We are right with God. He was faced with his sin. And the last part of this encounter message is he embraced and he followed the Lord. And uh, it says in Acts chapter 9 and verse 18 that he got up, he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. Now, uh, I just want to talk about baptism briefly. First of all, if you have never been water baptized as a believer, I believe that it's something that every believer needs to do. Uh, in our church, we practice infant dedication, and we practice believer's baptism. And that doesn't mean it's not good to uh, have been baptized as an infant. We totally respect that. That's a dedication of the parents dedicating themselves to raise their children to know the Lord. And what we do in our church is we do that through prayer. But then the baptism is by immersion, which is under the water. And, it, and I want to read from you from uh, Romans chapter 6 and verse 
4, verse, actually, I think, 3 and 4. And this is Paul's explanation of what he did there in Damascus so many years prior. He says this. He says, Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we were joined with him in his death? We were relating to his crucifixion in such a way that our old person, our old ways are behind us to the extent that they're really dead. They've been crucified. For we died, verse 4, we, we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Just like Paul's life was transformed, really in a moment, by the power of God. This encounter that Paul had was extraordinary. I understand that most of us haven't, you know, been knocked down to the ground and been blinded for three days before we embrace Jesus. But that happened with Paul. But every one of us only come to God through faith in Jesus Christ. He embraced and he followed the Lord. So he had this encounter with the King of Kings. He had this encounter with the God who knows him personally. He had this encounter with, with the, the Lord of the church. And he had this encounter just with where he was at too. He had to come to a place where he understood. Even though he was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he called himself, he was really good at following the law, but there was something major lacking in his life. He needed Jesus. To be, he needed to be saved. And he embraced and followed the Lord. And he himself, it's, it's like, you know, the, the baptism, actually, I just thought of this now. It would be quite a thing for this kind of big shot Pharisee. Uh, people who were non-Israelites could embrace Judaism. And this, these Pharisees would know and probably have witnessed, maybe even conducted baptisms. You could become a, what they call a proselyte. You could become Jewish by getting baptized. And here's Paul who says, I grew up and I was the guy. I was, a, I was a Pharisee. I was one of the big shots. And he himself humbled himself and he was baptized as a believer. He embraced and followed the Lord Jesus Christ. So here today, I just want to ask you, are you ready? Have you had? Do you want more? Is there something deeper that you want with God? Is there a time, is there a season in our lives right now where God wants to have an encounter with you? Jesus, it's almost like, you know, <laughs> he's busy. <laughs> you know, God is busy. There's, there's, you know, at that time, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands and millions of people there were in the world, but now, you know, there's seven billion and Jesus, he knows you personally. He knows where you're at, and he loves you, and he wants to have an encounter with you. He loves you. He knows you. And even if you're in trouble, he's going to make it right. He's going to help you. He's going to help you with that. Let's not run away. Let's not resist him. Let's be open to what God wants to do in our lives. Will you, will you stand with me here in the house? And I, I encourage you online, if you're watching, you know, change your position. You might even want to stand up right where you are in your in your family room. Uh, you know, if you're if you're in the car listening, 
uh, to a podcast, please don't stand up while you're driving. <laughs> but if you are open to the Lord for a new encounter with him, why don't you just lift your hand as I pray? Heavenly Father, here we are. Here we are in your presence. Lord, we thank you for your wonderful love and your mercy. Thank you for your grace, how you've touched us and brought us to yourself. Lord Jesus, forgive us for looking at this like our thing. But God, we want our encounters to be not with the good stuff that we can pull off. But Lord, we want to have encounters with you, the living God, the one who knows us, the one who loves us. Like Paul's confession, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But the life that I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, I pray your blessing upon each and every one in the sound of my voice, in Jesus' name, amen.